For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's one up top this evening, that means leader from the front and wearing the captain's armband because he did such a good job last week is Patrick. Again, it's Patrick by default, but let's not uh, denigrate your efforts at all, Patrick. How have you been, my friend? I'm good, I'm good. And don't say by default. No, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Second week running because I deserve it, so let's go. I'm feeling feeling good, I'm feeling really happy. Um, Always a pleasure being on here with you, um, Dan, and yeah. We've got something to talk about this week, some positivity. So yes, yeah, we have, and we'll get to that in a moment. So big shout out to Carl, who's doing some scouting work for me this week. He should be back in the fold next time around. I think we're going to have a week off next week because it's international break. So in a fortnight, we should be firing back on all cylinders. But that's not going to stop us tonight because before we chat all things football and all things Tottenham, let's get the social media bits out of the way. As always, you can subscribe to the Coming Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at cos underscore com. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know. I'll sort it for you. If you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. We're not on YouTube this week due to some technical glitches. However, if you are on YouTube, of course, who isn't these days, don't forget to subscribe and also leave any comments in the future because it helps us with our engagement. That's out of the way. Let's get down to business. And that business is a win to talk about. Actually, two in the last week because of the Europa Conference League also. So we'll get to that in a bit. It's not the main topic. But Patrick, a win against Villa is. So it wasn't perfect. But really, after the weeks we've had in the past, it was certainly a welcome win after a wretched run of results. Yeah, I mean, you say it wasn't perfect. I know the scoreline, you know, we conceded a goal. It looks quite tight, 2-1. But it's one of the most openest or you know, flattering two-line scorelines for the opposition team that you will see because we could have easily scored three or four and we should have. And on another day, if Sonny's got his shooting boots on or Kane has, we get four or five quite comfortably. So, yes, we won 2-1, um, but I saw a lot of positivity in that game. I saw a lot of things that we can talk about in the next 45 minutes or so, which we will, but I was happy with the wing-backs. We had our flying wing-backs back, so to speak, almost similar to the Danny Rose and Carl Walker days. We had two sturdy centre-backs putting in a brilliant shift. Sonny looked like the Sonny of old, beating players, uh, you know, going at players. He was sensational. My man of the match caused them problems all day long. Uh, Hoiberg looked fantastic in his new, almost licensed to roam type role. And obviously that goal that he popped up with, fantastic. What a finish from the outside of the box. First touch, set himself up. And then obviously the second touch stroked it right in the corner. He had no chance. Kane looked a bit more hungry, a bit more interested. And obviously he was taking shots on early uh, and causing problems as well for the opposition. And yeah, I think probably other than Endombele, everyone had a good game. Um, so I saw a lot of positives in that in, in that game. Uh, and even down to Nuno as well, making substitutions at the right time, freshening things up, uh, adjusting as the game panned out. So um, that was a good display from Tottenham and something that we would like to see you know, more of going forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm probably a bit harsh in my assessment to say it wasn't perfect because I think also if we are looking at the glass half full, it was our best performance since the opening weekend. Now, admittedly, it's been a small sample and we've had, as I say, some wretched performances. But when you compare it to wins against... Who is it? Watford and Wolves, obviously the Man City one. I think the Villa one was probably the second best we've had so far. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, like you said, it's the best we played since the opening weekend. Uh, And, you know, the opening weekend was a totally different game. We were up against it. We had to defend like champions. And then we obviously took our chance when we did with a fantastic goal from Sonny. But this game was totally different. We were on the front foot. We were taking the game to them. We had a lot of chances. We had the, you know, the ball in there, in their half or their final third a lot more than they did. And, um, you know, on another day with a bit more decisiveness, we put them to the sword and really put them to bed. But as well, we defended well when we needed to. Um, And yeah, I just saw, you know, a bit more patterns of play, passing build-up, you know, things weren't working. We started again. The wing-backs causing problems and almost playing like wingers. Uh, The centre-backs showing composure. Hugo Lloris uh, commanding his box again. Obviously, Harry Kane sticking, the ball sticking to him and him bringing other people into play, doing the things that he usually does. And then, uh, like I said, Hoiberg driving forward, Skip uh, starting, which was good. 
And um, yeah, and Son obviously um, doing what he does when he's on form. I guess also the timing of the win was important because if we lose to Villa on Sunday, or had we lost to Villa on Sunday, should I say, that's four league losses in a row, which is absolute crisis. But also, we've got an international break coming up. That result can really fester for two weeks. And you only, you know, you can take a day sample in usual social media land. And it's nasty, isn't it? You extrapolate that over two weeks and people will be calling for Nuno's head on quite the regular. So it was quite an important win in just the, the context of the season so far. Oh, definitely. Because, um, you know, when we step back and take a look at it now, we've played seven games. We've won four, lost three. So, you know, as bad as things have been, when you actually take a step back and consider everything that Nuno stepped into, the Harry Kane debacle and Dombele wanting to leave, him not being our first choice, second or third or whatever choice manager, and you look at everything that he stepped into... You know, we've won, we've won four, uh, lost three. We've also played Man City and Chelsea and Arsenal in that seven games. So you can give Nuno a bit of credit in a sense of, yes, it's always not been fantastic football, but there are some positives in terms of new manager and, and what's going on. But of course, losing four on the bounce is criminal and managers do get sacked for that, definitely. And like you said, Dan, with the fact that there's an international break, that, that those performances would fester, for four losses, you just don't know what Levy could do. He could end up wielding the sword, which would be crazy because then we'd be back to square one or, or you know, ground zero with less managers to pick from because the season's already underway. So I'm so glad we stopped the rot and got the win. It was it was needed. And um, to be fair, the performance was needed as well because it's all well and good winning. You can win a number of ways. But I think yesterday we won the right way, if they, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. I think it just gives a little bit more confidence going into the international break that it's a nice place to be all of a sudden, Tottenham, for the next two weeks at least, isn't it? You know, we've had a, a really rough September. I guess now really it's a case of the Villa win is great, but it can't be a win in isolation, can it? It needs to be the start of a run to almost absorb those three awful defeats we've had because the goal difference isn't pretty. So we kind of need to put teams to the sword as well, not by winning by just a goal, it'd be great to sort of really hammer a team and say this is the result which we've been waiting for. Yeah, exactly. We've got to use um, this Aston Villa game as a building block and then take the positives from there. Obviously, you know, concentrate on the negatives, make sure we stop conceding goals uh, and then, yeah, and then build from that because you're, you're right. I mean, our points tally isn't that bad when you look at where the other teams are and how far off we are, but the goal difference is atrocious. Uh, so we really need to work on that because if the league is as tight as I think it will be this season, um, a negative goal difference after six or seven or eight or nine games isn't the one. And if we keep winning by one goal, it's not. It's going to take a while to chip at that. I think we're minus four or minus five. So we need to really start scoring in bunches so we can obviously take a dent at that. Um, so yeah, fantastic, uh, great result. But we've got Newcastle away next. We need to make sure we beat them and then you know continue from there. Now, going into that Villa game, obviously the players would have felt the pressure after the awful performance in the North London derby, but do you feel Nuno would have felt even more pressure? Because I don't know if you saw his pre-match interview on Thursday in the Europa League, sorry, the Europa Conference League game, I should say. He was prickly at best. He was kind of almost sort of batting away the questions with a very stern face, as if to say, why you ask me this? But that's not the Nuno that was in the job, what, eight weeks ago. So there's been a, a certain shift there. And it looks like the demeanour or the mask is starting to slip almost. Yeah, definitely. I saw it. He was very prickly, very edgy. And like you said, it was almost like, why are you asking me that? You know, next question. But obviously, you know, these journalists, they, they know what they're doing. They're paid to do a job. They're going to ask those tricky questions. That's their job. And the reaction and the way he reacted, you could kind of see that he the, the heat is on, the pressure's on, and he knows it. So... You know, you've got to convince them winning that game, which you you would you would you would hate to think we wouldn't have beat that team and beat them comfortably the way we did. But the game, you know, the litmus test was today. Aston Villa were a tricky team. We've already seen them go away to Old Trafford, well, Man United at Old Trafford, and take three points off them. They can take points off, um, you know, bigger teams. Um, they set up well. They play well. They've got some good players in there. And Dean Smith, to his credit, is a good manager. Um, I wasn't happy with the way they set up in terms of the time wasting and all of that type of stuff, but and we'll touch on that later. But to be fair, Nuno did the right thing. I think the setup was well uh, was good. The balance of the team was good, uh, and um, I think he answered a lot of questions yesterday, uh, even questions that me, myself, and Spurs fans had. You know, can we play on the front foot? Can we take the the, the game to teams? Uh, you know, will we be negative and just try and sit on a one goal or two? You know, we actually played good football yesterday so 
he's still got a lot to answer for. Um, there'll still be a lot more questions, but if he can continue in this vein of form, then you know those questions will considerably get you know less and less as the weeks go on. Yeah, of course. When it comes to pressure, what did you make of Harry Kane? I know you sort of touched on it a few minutes ago, but that Premier League goal for the season is still elusive. And the longer it goes on, you sort of do wonder. Now, I think it would be unfair to question his aptitude because he looked lively against Villa. He scored a hat-trick a few days earlier. So I don't think we can really start banging the drum of his heart and his head in Manchester. I think that kind of is almost in a box for at least a few months. I think it's now a case of how can we get back to the Harry Kane of old. So I don't think it is a question of aptitude, but where's that goal coming from? Because if we're honest... He did have a great chance to sort of catch Emi Martinez off his line. And if that goes in, he's heralded as a hero and, a, you know, always back, you know, the cane we all know and love. So we're talking fine margins. He's just not getting the rub of the green, is he? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I said this, um, I was on another, po- I was on Holly's um, Hotspurs podcast earlier. And I said um, that I thought Kane had a good game. I mean, I know he wasn't his, you know, his, his war and best, but... I saw the Kane of old there. I mean, like you said, the cheeky, you know, uh, halfway line shot or chip, trying to catch Emmy Martinez out, you know, making runs into the box, uh, bringing people into play, getting about. I saw him actually pressing from on, from the, you know, from the front line, um, bursting the gut to get, busting the gut to get into the box as well. Um, I saw basically, yeah, that he didn't get a goal, he didn't get an assist. But I saw a lot more of the signs that you'd like to see from a centre forward that's, you know, uh, itching to get a goal. The only the only downside of that was I thought he was a bit selfish when um after I think he was through on goal and Emmy Martinez saved it or something happened, it rebounded back to him and he could have easily played in Son or uh, Lo Celso for a tap in. And instead he kind of turned the kind of turned half like a half shot type chips from a bad angle and Martinez easily saved it and they were both looking at him like what the hell and he you know he did a he did a make eye contact with him as he ran back because he knew he did the wrong thing but that showed me that he's desperate for that goal but sometimes you just got to pass the ball to someone in better position and let them score you would have got an assist and we obviously would have won that game 3-1 um but yeah I saw a lot of positive signs from Kane yesterday admittedly he's nowhere near his best but you know that after the, the games against Chelsea and Arsenal, uh, I'm happy to see that something's starting to click and he kind of looks like he wants to be on the pitch again. Well, you mentioned that kind of, I don't know, judgment of error, which didn't really go his way. If that's one all and he makes that wrong call, we'll ambassador him going, why has he done that? But I guess in the grand scheme of things against Villa, it didn't matter all that much because you win 2-1 and really it's kind of, you just want the win. By hook or by crook, if it means Kane has to sacrifice not getting on the score sheet again, then we'll worry about that after the international break when we get to Newcastle. But it did mean that Human Song had his best performance since the opening weekend. And that's the kind of... What you need from him is it's not patchy form. You know, he's we all know how good he is, but he can be a bit patchy at times. So he's someone who really needs to get a run together in terms of form and start chipping in with goals and assists come the, the other side of the international break. Yeah, definitely. You know, Son is such a great player when he's on form. He's almost like a purple patch player. When he's hot uh, and firing, you know, he's un- he's unplayable, undroppable. One of the he is one of the best in the league anyway. But he becomes one of the best players in the league by far. Uh, yesterday we saw that Son. We saw him. You know, he looked like he had a basically an extra half yard of pace. He was running at players, both fantastic with both feet. The trickery was there, the bravery was there. He was getting on the end of things, creating chances, obviously take, taking shots on. It looked like the son of old. And that's what, like you said, um, you know, I'd be happy for, for, for Son to step up and be the leader this year. You know, if Harry Kane is still going through his issues, Son, step up, be the man, you know, be the guy that takes puts Tottenham on the back, on your back like you did yesterday and lead us to victory in these games where we should be beating these teams. Because to be fair... If it wasn't for Sonny's performance, do we win that game yesterday? I don't know. So no. that's the yeah, <laughs> that's the song we that's the song we want to see. That's the song we love. We know it's in there. I mean, you know, he's already he's got quite a few goals and assists already, so the numbers are there. But we need to see it in in, in all games because Son's one of those players that at the end of the season he's got eighteen goals, ten assists. But there's a lot of games where he goes missing. We need to see him consistently getting these numbers and making a difference like he did yesterday and pulling us through the games where we need to win. Well, I guess in terms of his tally of goals and assists, it's all about when you score goals. I kind of like someone like Roberto Firmino. He's kind of known for scoring 
when Liverpool win in 3-0 already. And yes, he'll get you decent numbers, but in terms of his actual contribution, are they match-winning? Perhaps not. So you can never doubt some for what he actually offers you. But as you say, Patrick, it's kind of like the spread of the goals aren't quite perfect. And sometimes you'll bunch them up and, as you say, then go missing for a few weeks. So you kind of need... You know, 18 goals, 10 assists, but you need him in the real big matches against the big six when it really matters, not scoring twice against Burnley or Hatrick against Norwich. Do you know what I mean? It's all about yeah, where yeah, and exactly. when they've scored, but you know, you're never going to say, no, don't score, and it's hard to say, oh, can you score against them, them and them? It doesn't really work like that, unfortunately, but you kind of need the balance of when his goals come about to be counting a bit more, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. It makes sense because, I mean, last year was a perfect example. He scored four goals against Southampton. Yeah. Uh, and then he kind of went quiet for a bit, but then he also got a, you know basically the first goal in our uh, in our game against Arsenal. Those are the kind of goals where we need more. We need more of those goals, that, or like to, uh, this season, the match-winning goal against Man City. The goals that are worth their you know weight in gold. So we, like, I agree exactly what you're saying. Uh, the performance yesterday, there, where he dragged us across the line in a game where everyone was a bit tentative and there was a lot of nerves in the stadium to begin with uh, and we just didn't know what Tottenham were going to turn up. So I agree, he needs to step up more in these games. And like you said, uh, when we've got Man United coming up in a few weeks' time or, you know, the, the games where it's going to be tight and uh, we need Sonny at his best because if Kane's still there or thereabouts, then we need the other guys to step up and be counted for. So, yeah, uh, Sonny's a leader now. He's 29, just signed a new contract. Uh, we need him to show that week in and week out and be a bit more consistent because don't get me wrong I'm not bashing him I oh, think no. he's a fantastic player he's wonderful I know you're not but a few people might be like oh why are they getting on to him but we're just being honest you know we can see that sometimes he does go a bit streaky and, and he, sometimes he's missing in the games where we need him so we need a bit more of that because again Man City Cup final last year Cabo Cup Sonny was was MIA he was non-existent and afterwards you saw him crying and stamping the floor and this and that but I was thinking why didn't you turn up today man this is you know that that Man City they weren't great in that final if we turn up we could have beat them the same way we beat them you know at the beginning of this year so things like that they're really great on me so I just want to see him do it when it counts like you said in the bigger games well, if you look on Twitter yesterday, which is not the best barometer of knowledge of football fans, <laughs> however, a lot of people were saying that now he's the best player in our squad. Is that an element of, I guess, a recency bias because the game's just finished, and also still an underlying sentiment of Harry Kane and those burnt bridges from the summer? Yeah, exactly. I mean, as much as I love Son and that he's fantastic and one of my favourite players, you'd be lying if he said that he's our best player. Harry Kane, by far, is our best player. When Harry Kane's firing and, you know, he's, he, Harry Kane's one of the best players in the world at what he does. Uh, goals, assists, link-up play, right foot, left foot, inside the box, outside the box, header, bringing people, you know, everything. Harry Kane can do it all. So, the only reason why people are saying that is because of what's happened in the summer and where Kane is right now and so on. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Son is fantastic, but I do think Harry Kane is Mr. You know, well, he he is our best player when when he's firing. But if he's not, then yeah, uh, I have no problem with people saying that's Son. But I just think they're being a bit unfair and a bit biased and like you said, recency biased. And also just because they know of Harry Kane's mm, sentiment to probably leave in the summer. Yeah, I think that's all fair points. But in terms of the Villa game, there was always going to be fallout from the defeat to Arsenal. And I guess the biggest headline before the ball was kicked, or the first ball was kicked, was Deli Alley. Now, was it a resting or a dropping? What do you make of that? I think it was a dropping, to be yeah, fair. I and um, I, th I think Nuno made the right call because um, as much as I love Deli Alley, I've, I've been his biggest fan and I've been saying he'll get back and, you know, this and that. Uh, when I look at it, you just got to be honest. I mean, Nuno's trusted him in all the games so far, in all the big games. He started against Man City, started against Chelsea, started against Arsenal. He was decent against City, put in a hard shift, ran around a lot. But when you actually look at what we need, which is goals and assists, creating chances, he's dictating play. He's not really done that. And, um, you know, when Delhi gets the ball, he, he tends to slow things down a lot these days. He's picking the wrong pass turning the ball over. It's kind of like the ball gets to him and then it starts sticking. And then he almost basically, you know, he, he's nullifying our attack. Yesterday, we were moving the ball around quickly. We were creating chances. We were actually, you know, moving the ball around with intent and, and moving forward. And sometimes when Delhi gets it, he doesn't do that. So I do believe he was dropped. And I think um, Nuno made the right call because we looked potent. Uh, we The ball was flowing around nicely. And yeah, there was, an, there was attacking intent. 
passages of play. Um, and we are, yeah, just on the front foot, we are taking the game to them. I think with Delhi, his biggest problem is now is that where do you play him? Yeah. Because when when we were firing in the Pochettino era, we had Wanyama and Dembele behind Delhi Ali, and we had Ericsson spraying passes and being so creative. So Delhi Ali was almost like a second striker. Uh, this was when Kane was a number nine out and out. He didn't drop deep. He wasn't almost playing as a 10-9 hybrid. Kane was a number nine and that was it. So Delhi was running into the box. He wasn't really a number 10, but he almost set up there. We had Ericsson as the number 10, but a deep lay-in or deep lion uh, playmaker. And Delhi would just pretty much mop up second chances, uh, uh, crosses into the box from the uh, from the wing backs and obviously uh, you know Ericsson finding him like the two goals that he scored identical goals against Chelsea. We don't have that same setup anymore, so the systems change massively. And Delhi now finds himself; he doesn't know what he is. He's not an eight. He's not a ten. He's not a winger. You know, he's he's kind of stuck in the middle. So, in this system that we have right now, I don't really see where Delhi fits. That's the sh- it's a shame because I love the guy and I, I just think it's possibly time for a change now, change of scenery, a change it because the, we've got guys that fit the system, and I just don't see where Delhi fits in right now. If I'm being honest, I completely agree. I mean, you only have to look at yesterday. Really, it was a four-two-three-one, which collectively we've been crying out for, and it's a lineup which doesn't include Delhi Ali. Now you could argue he was rested, but why would you rest him for a Premier League game against Aston Villa? There's no real reason, is there? So you kind of then. Wondering, as you say, Patrick, you've you've explained it perfectly in that where does he fit? Because he's not the Deli Ali that we all fell in love with, what, six years ago or so, you know. Mm. One that scored twice against Chelsea with two headers because he was just timing his runs perfectly, lurking at the back post. That kind of perfect, as you say, not quite a second striker, well, not a second striker at all, really, but had the anticipation, always the right time, to be a nuisance and act as that perfect fourth Harry Kane. You don't get that player anymore. Whether that's because he's bulked up and he's lost that, yard of pace that he had, you know, there's just that dimension of his game has gone. And I think, I don't think you'll ever get it back because I don't think systems are suited to him. I don't think he's got the confidence. I don't think there's a trust from him in terms of the manager and what he can get out of Deli Ali. There's so many intangibles and they're all kind of adding up to the same sum in that Deli Ali's not really working at Tottenham. And the more you try and flip him in one position, his confidence is probably going to drop a bit more because it's not worked for him again. And you're trying to think, okay, well, how many other times can we keep trying to reinvent him? And as you say, Patrick, probably none. So we keep banging on about our midfield and how for a lot of them it's make or break for the Celso and Dumbele, Ali. You'd imagine one of them, maybe two, will go in the summer because we can't have all these square pegs in round holes, can we? Exactly, that's it. And as we're going through this painful rebuild that Poch alluded to quite a few years ago, and a few of us are like, huh? What's he talking about? I mean, we're seeing it now. Uh, and, and if you look at, like, Alex Ferguson in his pomp, he used to reinvent his team and freshen it up, you know, summer after summer. Sometimes he would get rid of his best player. I say get rid, he would sell them. Like, when he sold Yap Stam, or he would sell, you know, a, a really high... Cl- and you're thinking, like Paul what's Lins, he doing there? Like when he sold, yeah, yeah, Paul Lins, exactly. Roy Keane. He would sell players even when they were still fantastic, but it's because he had a vision and he knew he had to refresh, get you know top value for them and go again. And I think as well, as Spurs fans, we became so attached to these players. When Potts was possibly talking about selling Carl Walker or letting go of Danny Rosa, we all kind of had our backs up. Like, what's he doing? And now you kind of see, you know, it's a bit too late, but we saw the vision and we saw what he was trying to do. And even Dele Ali, maybe, maybe it would have been right for us to get rid of him before because Poch may have seen what was going on. And yeah, it's a shame because, um, you know, we we wanted to work for him at Tottenham, but the the, the longer it goes on, the the worse it's becoming. And like you said, we've got quite a few square pegs and round holes at the moment, and. Um, it's just, you know, we need players that fit the system. Uh, things change, we've changed, the, the setup's changed, the way we play has changed. And uh, we still got, even though we've freshened up the squad a bit this year, it's still quite stale. There's still a lot of players there that, if we're being honest, we need to get rid of. So it is time to reinvent that, go again. You know, La Celso, I agree, it's make or break. Endombele, make or break. Stevie Bergwin, make or break. Lucas Moura, make or break. If these guys don't really turn it on this year, Maybe it's time to reassess, reevaluate, and then you know go again next year. Well, when you look at the options in midfield, there's so many that aren't really knocking on the door and consistently playing seven, eight out of ten. So you could sell one of those three that we mentioned: Ali, Lascelles, and Dembele. 
fund a move for a second striker. Assume Kane goes, so you could then obviously have to get another striker on top of that. But it's just the balance of the squad seems to be midfield heavy and attack light, doesn't it? So it's going to come in time. I, mean, I think we need to be a bit patient. Like It's never going to get done in one window. I think we're all kind of being a bit wishful thinking to get 10 out and 10 in. It's just not going to happen. But you kind of... The steps are there, and it's going to take time to integrate players, and hopefully there'll be a bit more business in January. But let's say that we look at the system now, and I think Nuno learnt from the Arsenal defeat that that 4-3-3 and the manner in which we capitulated in the first half, we can't go back to that. So I think, certainly at home, 4-2-3-1's going to be the system going forward. With that said, do you feel there's still a missing link between what the two would be, let's say, Hoiberg and Skip, and then who the number 10 would be. So let's add a name to the mix in January because I feel we do need an extra player in January and I think fans are clamouring for it and I think we've made a mistake by not quite sorting our attacking house in order yet. So what about Philip Coutinho? Barcelona in a bit of money trouble. They'd love to get some wages off the books. If he was available, would you go for him in January? It would obviously create more of a logjam in that number 10 role, but it would be a proper number 10. Would you go for him? Oh, 100%, because I still feel we're missing that. I know Lacelso had a great game um, on Thursday and a lot of people were like, oh, he could be the guy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he's played a lot of minutes in the middle and not done anything, if we're being honest. He's had one or two good games, but he's not. Is Lacelso a number 10? You know, it, it, I don't know. So we've got to see that. Uh, Bele started there yesterday. And um, to be fair, he was probably the worst player on the pitch. I hate to say it, but he wasn't great. His touches were off. Uh, misplaced passes. Don't get me wrong, he was trying. So, you know, you can have a bad game. You can just, it's just not clicking. Well, he, he wasn't that, great. Sorry, sorry, he had that chance second yeah. half, didn't he? But again, it's another sort of Twitter highlight chance where great, <laughs> great pivot and then like just a rubbish shot. Yeah, it? Just, like, no, it's like, you know what? If, if On the compilations and highlights, yeah, exactly. it looks amazing. And you're like, oh my God, that's fantastic. But in the context of the game and everything that was going on, he was shit. And he, you know, he was falling over, stepping on the ball. He was, he wasn't great. So you know, but the thing is, he tried. And if it's just a bad game, it happens. Cool. But if that's him in the number ten role, then sorry, you're not good enough to be playing number ten. And you need to get off. And we put, we can try Brian Gill there. We could try the So we have to try other things because he almost like when the ball came to him, he was slowing things down. There's a few times when he was going backwards, and then the crowd started murmuring. And he, then he made sure he went forward the next time. He needs to be a bit more like he had the run of the game. He was put in there. Nuno trusted him to dictate and and create things. And if we're being honest, he didn't really do that. Um, but he did try. Don't get me wrong. There was a few there was a few through balls that almost came off. And if they did, we would be saying a different thing. So it's fine margins, I know. But he didn't look that great yesterday. So you know the jury's still out on him. Don't get me wrong. But I did like the application. But regard going back to your question, Philip Coutinho, a hundred percent. Or Hassan Awa, if that's yeah, how you yeah. say it. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a guy that we've been linked to for ages. He's been linked to Arsenal. We were linked to him in the summer. For whatever reason, it didn't come off. Fantastic little number 10. Someone that, you know, a nice technician, get on the ball, create things. We need a number 10, an out-and-out number 10, because we've still not replaced Ericsson, have we? We've tried it with Lo Celso. We've tried it with Endombele. We will almost put Lucas Moura in there by default at some times as well. And yes, he can have a few decent games where he's running at players or whichever, but he's not a number 10 either. So, yeah, we need an out-and-out 10, a war or a Coutinho. That would be fantastic. Well, between now and January, you get the feeling that Nuno's going to try every option available to make this 4-2-3-1 work. And if you say that Dumbele's been tried, Ali's been tried, you said Brian might be an option, but what about if we think a little bit outside the box and say that if you put Brian in one of the wide roles and put Sun up at number nine and came in that kind of nine and a half, ten role, could that work? It could, it could. And because, I mean, you know, football is played on the pitch, so they could start in those positions and then they just alternate and yeah, they, they just fluid, float around. That's right. Yeah, exactly, they're fluid, you know, almost like what Man City do. Like, you don't you don't have to, you play, play where the, you know, your, your players, your intelligent, read the game. If someone's backing off you or giving you that space, then you step in there and do your bits and bobs. So, yeah, that that could work. It could work. Um, we have to see how it goes. But I, I don't, I don't mind what you're saying. It, it sounds good, and obviously, you know, we have to see if it comes into fruition. But playing that, and then obviously, if it doesn't work, Kane drops into his number nine role. Sonny on the wing. 
you know, and we played, they play in their positions that they, they're they comfortable with. But they're all top players. They should be comfortable alternating and reading the game. So it could work. I don't think, I don't know if it's um, sustainable over a long period of time, mm. but it's something that you could mix up. Like you said, we've tried Delhi at the 10. We've tried, you know, uh, Mora. We've tried X, Y and Z. So this is something that could work in certain games. And again, a top manager knows how to alternate his system and adapt to different games or even in game management. If the game's not going right, maybe that's something you could do as well. So I like it. I like the sounds of it. No, no, if you're listening. But also we mentioned the Celso <laughs> and a lot of people hop back to his time at Betis and say, well, there's a player there. And there is, because there is a player that also turns it on for Argentina. And then you look at that conundrum, you think, why on earth does it not click for Tottenham? So is the answer that he needs to be thrown in at number 10 and be given half a dozen games. Logically, or a couple of years ago, football would allow you to do that. But now football's so immediate that you kind of need to be turning it on straight away. So if you try to sell something at number 10 role and say, look, this is your last chance, really. If he then failed, you're kind of sort of thinking, well, we've tried everything in terms of positioning. What else can we do? You know what? You made such a good point. And this is, I totally agree. We're so reactionary these days. Social media, us as fans, the media is in Sky Sports and ESPN and Bleacher Report. Like a player has one bad half or one bad game and the whole world has fallen apart and oh, it's not working. What's wrong with this player? What's wrong with the system? I agree. Like um, if we're being honest, Lo Celso has, has played as a 10 sometimes. He's played as an 8. He's played as a six and a half. We've put him on the wing. So when players say, oh, he's played in the middle for X amount of games and he's not he's not really played in the position or he's not been, you know, when he plays for Argentina, he almost starts on the left-hand side, but he has a free role and he can almost, like we were saying, he's smart enough to read the game and, and just get in pockets of space and do what he does. Of course, he's got talent all around him. Um, but, you know, Tottenham have a, a talented front line as well. But, with at Tottenham, he plays a half or he plays 45, 60 minutes. It doesn't work and then we just bomb him out and he doesn't play again. So he needs time. But the thing is, because Nuno's under the cosh and under pressure, you don't really get that time, do you? No. So, you know, if we if we have a bad game like we did against Arsenal or Chelsea or even if we drop points yesterday against Aston Villa, Nuno's next on the line. So he can't then... He has to go with what he feels is the strongest thing. He can't really have the time to bed someone in. If we start going on a run of games and things start becoming a bit more impressive and you know we're scoring a lot of goals and the, the feel-good factor of morale is there, then you can start bedding in these players. If not, it's, it's, you, you know, just got to do what he has to do to get the win. So it's a tricky one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And as you say, there's no luxury, is there? You can't think, oh, OK, well, maybe I can try to sell so against Aston Villa. But if you lost three on the bounce... And Lo Celso had a stinker and we lost to Aston Villa on Sunday. People would be furious. And Lo Celso would be thrown under the bus because he's kind of an easy target. And then Nuno would be on the chopping block, really. And who's to say he'd be the manager by the time we go to Newcastle in two weeks' time. So you're kind of damned if you, do, damned if you don't, really. But again, you can't keep relying on players that are square pegs in round holes because you might not get a tune out of them. And if it's not working, you can't go, oh, OK, well, maybe I will chuck him in. So you can understand the thought process. And it works on Sunday, so it's fine. But... You know, at what point do we sort of all these kind of players that aren't turning it on, or we trying so many times in so many different variations that it's a case of you throw enough mud at the wall, it will stick. But how much mud have we got? You know, we can't really afford to be so experimental, can we? But you know, let's let's crack on with the goals because there were three of them. So let's go in chronological order. The first one, Huyberg, obvious delight from the Dane, and rightly so because with that kind of finish, you're probably thinking, where on earth has he been hiding that such? Because that really is an expert finish from someone who plays a lot further up the pitch. Yeah, it was fantastic. And it's like, it kind of reminded me of the Hoiberg we see for Denmark. Because yeah. in the summer, he was going, he was creating chances. He was getting on the end of stuff. He was dictating and he was more pushed forward. But I think with Skip sitting behind him, he has a bit more confidence and luxury to, to roam and, and get, you know, on the ball in the final third, where if Skip's not playing, then obviously Hoiberg has to sit deeper. So you won't really see that. But no, that that touch, I mean, the, the pass from Sonny was nice, but the first touch to put weight, the weight of the touch, set himself up and the finish, what a coach, what a coach should finish from somebody who's, um, who's you know, he looked like he's a striker and um, yeah, he, he's been finishing like that his whole life. So um, it, was, it was fantastic. That's a lovely way to describe it, a cultured finish. That's exactly the phrase <laughs> I was looking for. But of course, as I said, it wasn't quite perfect because we did concede. Now, 
it was a good finish from Ollie Watkins. I think any striker that anticipates across into the box should be lauded. And I guess if you are being subjective and fair enough, you have to also laud the referee because Romero absolutely wipes out Jacob Ramsey in the build-up. And really, oh, me. you know, yeah. that should have been a free kick if the referee was being a bit pedantic. But to let play go, Villa got the benefit, and I guess rightly so. Yeah, definitely. I was quite worried, to be fair, because I thought... I was thinking, shit, that could be a red card if VAR look at it because it was such a horrible tackle, such a horrible challenge. I don't know, did he get a yellow for it or did the ref just like because they scored, he just kind of let it go? But it was a it was a bad tackle, and I thought Romero had a fantastic game, uh, but he needs to be careful. You know, sometimes he can be a bit rash, uh, and to wipe a player out in literally at the halfway line, it was kind of it was it wasn't needed. So um, he was at fault for that goal definitely, but. Uh, I thought Romero was fantastic yesterday and um, he made Eric Dyer look a lot better. Like with the calmness on the ball of Romero, the interceptions, reading the game, the headed clearances, you know, even the pass, the way he sprayed that diagonal to, to Son to, to get him in behind the players, you know, like Toby-esque when Toby was good. It, it, Romero had that bit, you know, that Toby slash Jan Vertonghen vibe to him yesterday. And, um, you know, I, I was impressed with what... I. Basically, you pay what you get for. Yeah. And yesterday, we we saw the Romero that was Serie A defender with the season. He was he was brilliant. Well, I saw a few people mention that he's a Rolls Royce defender. A bit early for that, but you can see mm. the signs are there. As you said, I think perfect example a Toby esque diagonal because that was a Rolls Royce defender when he was on at his absolute best. Toby when he was spraying balls with absolute ease and just pinpointing them down to the final third of the pitch. Now, if you can get a tune out Romero like that, as you say, Patrick, you get every penny. F- of his worth there, don't you? So, all the signs are there. I think a little adjustment to the Premier League. Obviously, he's played at a high-level Serie A, he's an Argentinian international, so the transition shouldn't be too hard, but maybe that kind of ugly tackle on Jacob Ramsey is a sign that he's not... He's a bit of a rough diamond, but he'll be quite easy to polish at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And, it's, you know, he's got to take time. And we've also got to, you know, this is the thing, like we said about the whole number 10... Uh, conundrum with La Celso and Dombele. These guys need time. Romero will get a bit more time because we know how good he is. And to be fair, our other options are not good enough. So he's just going to have to get thrown in there. But um, yeah, he just needs to just just stop being a bit rash. Certain times you see the rashness come out of him. But to be fair, he's a fantastic defender from what I've seen. He knows when to get touched tight. He knows when to back off. We saw him dribbling the ball up and almost basically being that number six slash, you know, defensive midfielder type of role. And then, you know, just giving the ball back to the, to the creative midfielders and stepping back. So we saw we saw a lot of dimensions of his game yesterday. And yeah, I agree. A Rolls-Royce defender looks brilliant, but it is early days, so we do have to kind of not get ahead of ourselves. And we, you know, with new defenders in brand new leagues and the fact that he is still quite young, there will be ups and downs, no doubt, you know, so we just need to be patient as well. But I saw a lot of good signs yesterday. Yeah, me too. While we stay on the topic of defenders very quickly, it certainly looks as if Emerson Royal is starting to look a bit more settled at right back. It's obviously been a baptism of fire over the past few weeks, but again, a small sample, but I think that was his best showing in Spurs colours on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. He looked good. I, I was really impressed with him because obviously um, against Crystal Palace, he was a bit shaky. Uh, I know he got thrown in in the deep end in that game. Arsenal, oh my God. Like, yeah, he, was, he wasn't good, was he? Um, and then, yeah, yesterday we saw, we saw what we essentially were buying or what we thought we were buying or getting. Uh, he looked good going forward. He looked good defensively. Again, like I said about Romero, reading the flight of the ball, the interceptions was good. Putting in solid and sturdy tackles, but timing them well. And, um, you know, we almost had that flying wing back, uh, uh, basically a Carl Walker slash Danny Rose type feel to our game yesterday. We had a, a Regalon bombing down the left hand side, uh, Romero bombing down the right hand sorry, not Romero, um, uh, Emerson bombing down the right hand side. Uh, and it gave us a bit more of a dimension, a lot more width. And it also gave us another form of attack instead of it being narrow and coming through the middle all the time. So I was really happy with um, with, with Emerson's um, display. I liked how um, uh, Lucas Moura was almost like walking him through the game and you had that Brazilian link up on the right-hand side. So that was a nice touch as well. But yeah, you saw the pace of him. You saw him reading the game well. You saw him basically breaking up play and just passing and, and laying it off. But he also knew when to take his man on it and with the crossing. And if Kane basically read the game, almost basically, yeah, there was a time when um, uh, uh, 
Emerson put in a fantastic cross and all Kane had to do is stretch a leg out and it's another goal. So there was good signs there. So yeah, I'm happy with what I saw from Emerson yesterday. And although Villa got level, it wouldn't be for long. Now, I've watched our winner 10 times at least today and I <laughs> can't for the life of me work out how that is a Matt Target own goal. Can you, Patrick? No, I can't. And I'm surprised <laughs> that. Like, I don't understand because it was definitely, you know, Sonny, they've taken away a Sonny assist and they've taken away a Lucas Moura goal, which is like, it's a, it's one of those annoying ones, isn't it? Because the ball's definitely going in and the defender has to do something. Nine times out of ten, they get there. It's an own goal. If they don't get there, it's a goal anyway. So you're you're almost stuck. You're in no man's land. But I'm surprised. I don't know how they gave it. Surely you should get the benefit of that. It's literally right next to each other. How do you decide that it's not? Moore's goal and it's her own goal and obviously as a defender you would want you'd want the attacking player to get the goal yeah. you don't want to be you know chalked with your own goal on your, on your yeah it's not a good look for you is it so very strange hopefully they can um, change that because uh, it'd be nice for Sonny to get the, another assist and obviously for Lucas to get a goal because um, I believe this year we can't just keep relying on Son and Kane to chip in with goals no. all, the, all, all the other front three have to as well Lucas Stevie B, Brian Gill. I add his name to there now because hopefully he'll be, you know, uh, featuring. Uh, you know, great that Hoiberg got a goal. Endon Bele. All these guys. We need other players to step in and chip in because you know the good teams. The goals come from all different sources. Like even look when Chelsea beat us, it was none of their usual suspects on the scoreline, was it? No. It was um. It was uh. You know, um, Thiago, defenders. Tiago exactly. Tiago. Yeah. Uh, it was um, Kovacic. Oh, yeah, Kovacic. Kante, Kante sorry. <laughs> uh, so Tiago, Kante, and Rudiger. That's it. it. That's it. Got so, so yeah, so it's like defenders and defensive midfielders, and you know that's the sign of a good team. When the other oh, players yeah. aren't firing or not doing, then these guys step up. And yesterday was nice that other people got on the score sheet, and that's what we need. You need balance, and you need goals from all, all areas. Obviously, you want your front line to chip in with the majority of the goals, but it's not always going to happen that way. And if Son's whipping in crosses from the from the left then someone needs to get on the end of them so no it was good it was good um hopefully they do give that to lucas because i don't understand why they didn't um but yeah it was good to see um lucas get into those positions and it was good to see us creating chances um and obviously you know us uh, tucking some away because i mean we were lowest uh in the league for chances created lowest in the league for shots on target lowest in the league for shots on on, on goal uh crazy stats and um yesterday we saw obviously a, a different side of Tottenham which is good In terms of Lucas you have to assume he's going to be a first team footballer when fit so with the position he'll be playing in the chances he should be getting at least in the right positions for should he be setting a target of I don't know 10 Premier League goals this season? Oh definitely you want from Lucas ideally you want 10 to 15 yeah. for being realistic if we want to finish in those uh, but bare top, minimum you know, double figures yeah, yeah bare minimum double figures and I would I like to say five or six assists as well. So, you know, I would say um, the manager should be setting him a target of 15 goals. And obviously, if you fall short of that and get 12 or 13, fantastic. Five or six assists, that's a good season for a wide player. You know, a quality wide player that's starting pretty much more more often than not, week in and week out. Those are the numbers you would expect from, from a good player. So, that's what I'd like to see. Um, a player that gets on the ball, creates problems. Uh, I'm seeing a bit more because, I mean, his pass to Kane uh, on Thursday... That was a side of Lucas that I've not really seen, that creative side. Uh, and he tried a few through balls yesterday. Admittedly, they didn't turn, you know, uh, uh, pan out. But you saw a bit more of the intelligence from him. And obviously, making runs into the box, that's something that we don't really see from him, do we? So I'd like to see a bit more of that. And if he continues doing those things, then yeah, I don't see why he can't get those, those numbers of goals. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair target, isn't it? Like I say, if yeah. he's not competing for minutes, really the opportunity's there for him to take it by the scruff of the neck. And I think if you can chip in with 10, lighten the load or support came and some of their regular numbers, then it just adds an extra dimension and also adds so many more points in the league table come the end of the season. So it's a big ask, yes, but you need players to step up. And I think really he's one of those players that really needs to make a step up and not just live off that night in Amsterdam or the hatchery against Huddersfield. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of, <laughs> they're too fleeting, aren't they? They need to be more regular. Like we've said about Sun, but it just needs to be so many chips in. And I think if he chipped in more, he wouldn't be so divisive in terms of his opinion in football, well, the opinion that fans have. Because yes, he'll always be a, a cult hero, unquestionably, for what he did in that Champions League semi-final. But there is a lot of, yeah, but does he do it enough? And really, you have to be harsh and say the answer is no. But 
he can still turn that around. The opportunities are there. So hopefully it goes right and we get more out of him this season. But let's quickly finish with the Europa Conference League, Patrick. It worked out well in the end. Now, it was comfortable at half-time. It was less comfortable minutes later. A quick subsection of Twitter once again. I've got to stop living my life on there. But a lot of people were going, I can't believe we conceded to this lot. Nuno's got to go for that alone. Stick, yes, but let's be honest, it was a good goal. And I don't think you can really blame the manager for that. It's more just bad defending on the night. Mm, exactly. Uh, you know, that, it was a very good goal. The finish yeah. was, yeah, it was an amazing finish. When they scored, and to be fair, when they uh, the time that they scored, they deserved it. They had, uh, grew into the game and you could kind of feel that the goal was coming. But you know, I like the way we, we reacted after the goal and then we pretty much put them to the sword. But no, I can't. No keeper was saving that, and it was a fantastic finish. So sometimes you just got to take your hat off and say, you know what, they scored a good goal. I think the the, the end score was five one, wasn't yeah. it? So you know, comfortably beat them. No one's going to complain at that scoreline, are they? Um, but yeah, sometimes you just can't help it. Of course, um, over the course of the game, we could have defended better in patches. Uh, but you know, credit where credit's due. They scored a good goal. They deserved it. Uh, and you know, to be fair, we played well in that game. Uh, I know it's against lower opposition, but we did what we needed to do and we won the game quite comfortably. Uh, Harry Kane got on the score sheet, boost the confidence before, obviously, yesterday's game. Uh, it's also a good um, uh, run out for some of the other players. So, yeah, no, uh, no, no complaints, really. Um, the only thing that you would probably say is, did we need to bring on Son, Kane and Lucas for that game? Obviously, the end result shows yes, but it's a bit of a worry that we had to bring the big guns on for that game at home. You would have liked to thought that the starting eleven had enough quality to put them away, but it didn't. So that would probably be my only concern, is that when will these guys get a rest if they're having to play these type of games for us to win them? Yeah, you don't want them having to dig them out of a hole all the time, because we, as you say, we haven't got the depth to allow that. What I would count that with, that them playing well in that sort of cameo role collectively, did perhaps give him a good confidence boost for Villa. So in the kind of scheme of the week, it didn't wasn't the worst thing to happen. But as you say, Patrick, you can't be playing every Europa League. Sorry, Europa, oh, I've got to stop saying that. Europa Conference, I wish we were in the Europa <laughs> League. Well, I wish we were in the Champions League. Europa Conference oh, yeah. League. But yeah, you can't just rely on hoping to have Kane's son. Yeah, yeah, put him on exactly. the bench exactly. to start over and go, and actually, 60 minutes here, we need you to get your boots on, lad. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it was a night starting with Dane Scarlett. And he didn't have a good game, but I don't think it was necessarily his fault. So what did you make of his showing? Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said, I, I was looking on Twitter and I felt sorry for the kid because a lot of people were bashing him. You know, oh, he's not good enough. He's not this. He, the kid's 17 years old and he's played in a Tottenham team that up until that game and the weekend. We weren't creating chances for our strikers. We weren't really providing our strikers with anything. He's living off scraps. You know, he's hardly played. Um He's a young kid. It's not really the game to judge him on. I know he will get judged because he played, but it's very harsh for us to say, not us personally, but for people to say, oh, he's not good enough. He's not this, he's not that. You know, give the kid a break. He's so young and there'll be more opportunities. So it was a harsh game. Baptism of fire for him. I mean, he needs the minute. So it's one of those things. But hopefully he's strong enough to understand that it's one of those games. Yes, he didn't have a great game, but what, what more could he have done? If he's not getting the service and he's not getting the service in the right positions, not much he can really do. I know the hold-up play could have been could have been better, but he's still such a young kid and learning on the game. you know. So, yeah, I think it was harsh uh, what some of the people are saying, but I think anyone that's got you know half a brain and, and watches football and understands football will know that it's one of those games pretty much until you had better players around him creating chances, there's not much he could have done. And again, that's a, it's a kind of like a, you know, it's almost like you need to look at Deli Ali and the guys that started the game. Why weren't they creating the chances for Dane Scarlett to tuck away? So almost questions had to be asked of the supporting cast as well, because yeah, Dane Scarlett, obviously his, 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 his role as a striker is to finish created chances and he didn't really get those opportunities. Do you think fans collectively are guilty of putting too much expectation on Scarlett because he is really our only backup striker at the club at the moment? So you're kind of thinking, well, he's number two, he's got to be half decent, and he is a kid, and I think people forget that at times, don't they? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it's you know, it's what, what can it's not his fault, is it? I mean, no. like you said, we've we've got no backup striker. He by default is now our backup striker. He's a kid. He should be 
in amongst the first team, but we shouldn't be relying on him the way we are and which we're, we're going to need. I mean, God forbid, if Kane gets injured, then what? He's pretty much first team striker and that's criminal. So um, we need to take time. We need to be patient. He does need opportunities. Um, so the, the Conference League is fantastic for him. Uh, but we also need to understand that he's learning on the job. He's still so young, so raw. And uh, we hope he can, you know, cry at this level. But obviously we don't know. He's a kid. We'll have to see. Um, so he needs the chances to develop and play and then we could take it from there. But you're right, it's pretty much because we didn't get a backup striker, then um, we are where we are. But, you know, from from uh, the silver lining for us and for him is that he now gets a chance to prove himself and come through the ranks. And sometimes these things are needed. It's like uh, Rashford at Man United. They had a striker crisis. They had like four or five strikers out. Rashford comes in against Arsenal. He had like number 39 on his shirt. So you could see how low in the squad he was. He took his chances, scored two on the day, and they never looked back from there. He was still young and raw. So maybe Dane Scarlett, this will be the chance he needs to, you know, cement himself. So fingers crossed it goes the right way, but still way too early for people to be getting onto him. Yeah, of course. Careers can change in an instant for good and for bad. And as you say, you can have those golden moments where you're catapulted into the limelight and you never look back. But also when you're a young player those expectations can crush you and they can ruin your career in an instant as well. So got to be careful because he is a talent and you don't want that talent to, to slip away. Like Troy Parrott is not quite slipping away, but it's in the balance. Like There's expectation on his shoulders. that hasn't gone quite to plan. Again, we're kind of seeing him as a succession to Harry Kane, but you almost need someone to, to bridge that gap, someone that sits in the middle of our two young stars. And then we've got kind of a Kane back. Do you know what I mean? We've done it all wrong and... I think it'd be criminal to burn out Parrot or Scarlet and say, "Oh, they're wasted. They're no good because we've been bad in terms of recruitment, and it could have been such an easy fix." But that's all things that will happen further down the line, and hopefully, we've got two great strikers that are roughly the same age that can catapult us for for years going forward. So that's going to come in time, but that's not for this week because this week has pretty much finished. Patrick, we've hit full time. Um, just want to say thanks for your sterling efforts as always. That captain armband, I think Carl might have a job trying to wrestle it off of you. Cause that's, yeah, it. <laughs> that's all we can do. Like we are talking about Rashford coming in and <laughs> taking his chance. Listen, I've come in and I've taken my chance. So Carl's got a, a fight on his hand now. He's not automatic starter anymore. He, you know, he's going to have to prove himself in training again. Open <laughs> There you go. The battle lines have been drawn. Next, <laughs> next week's international, well, it's international break now, but next week there'll be nothing to talk about. So we're going to have a week off, a well-deserved week off. We'll be back in two weeks' time to dissect the Newcastle game. Newcastle haven't won this season. I don't want to say that to certain doctor Ooh. on call, but Ooh. there you go. But no, let's be positive because we've, we're back in winning ways and I think that's what we needed, yeah. as I said at the start of the show, because had we not won that, we could have been talking about a new manager in two weeks' time. We might have even been talking about a special episode next week with a new manager. You don't know. But thankfully, we're not going to be. I think, you know, as I said last week, Nuno's going to be here for, I don't know, a few months at least. I've been imagining the season and maybe it's a, a nice handshake and say thanks for the season and then you're off. But I don't think calling for his head now is going to really help the club going forward in the short term, let alone the medium or the long term. So I think let's keep the faith, as I said, and we've got a win. It's a small step. Now you've got to build on that, get another win against Newcastle. And if you can get a few more wins, November doesn't look too bad after that. So let's keep fingers crossed. We'll be back in two weeks' time. It just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.